Praise God. You may be seated, puede tomar su lugar, and open your Bible to the book of Judges, chapter 9. Vamos hoy al libro de jueces, capítulo 9. Are you learning something from the book of Judges? Amen. I pray that you are. Ya aprendieron algo del libro de los jueces. Qué bueno, espero que sí. Hoy continuamos nuestro estudio y vamos a ir al capítulo 9. We're going to chapter 9. And this is the fifth cycle of apostasy. Y hoy vemos el quinto ciclo de la apostasía. And we're going to see, uh, I believe tonight we're going to look at something a little different, different perspective for our study this evening. Vamos a ver de una perspectiva nueva. Uh, esta noche o diferente, no necesariamente nueva, pero diferente a lo que hemos estudiado hasta ahora. Judges, chapter 9, we're going to read out of verse 7, and then we're going to uh, read down to verse 15, and then we're going to skip down to verse 22. So I'll, uh, I'll warn you when I do that. Actually, no, we're going to skip a little bit further than that. We're going to skip down to chapter 10. So, uh, Jueces capítulo 9, verso 7 al 15, y luego vamos a ir al verso primero del capítulo 10. So, chapter 9, verse 7, and then we're going to read to verse 15. You got it? All right. Now, when they told Jotham, he went and stood on the town of Mount Gerizim, and he lifted his voice and called out, Thus he said to them, Listen to me, O sons of Shechem, O men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my fatness with which God and men are honored and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, Come, you reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my new wine, which cheers God and men, and go to wave over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the bramble, You come reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you are anointing me as king over you, Come and take refuge in my shade, but if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Now, verse 1 of chapter 10, ahora el capítulo 10, el verso 1. Now, after Ab Abimelech died, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, the son of Issachar, arose to save Israel, and he lived in Shemar in the hill country of Ephraim. And he judged Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried in Shemar. After him, Jair the Gileadite arose and judged Israel 22 years. And he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. And they had 30 cities in the land of Gilead that are called the, Hev the Hevoth Jair into the, unto this day. And Jair died and was buried in Teman. Amen. Let's pray and we'll jump into this text tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together for the study of the scriptures tonight. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God. And I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was a good, strong Amen. Thank God. You are, you are awake tonight. Praise the Lord. I just read to you a portion of scripture. It's a little unusual uh, in terms of Bible genre because it's an allegory. Not often when you read scripture do you read portions that sound like a fable. But in this case... We read a portion of scripture where the trees are talking, and that's a very unusual sort of writing style for the Bible. So I just wanted to point that out to you that you're reading an unusual part of the scripture right there. 
Uh, hemos leído una porción de la escritura que tiene una, una forma de literatura muy um, inusual en la Biblia. En esta porción de la escritura se da una parábola y en la parábola los árboles hablan. Y esto no, no es muy común en la Biblia, solo se ve una vez. Entonces, um, quiero nomás mencionar eso para los que eh, estudian la palabra del Señor, van a entender que eso no es normal en, la, en el texto bíblico, pero en esa parábola hay unas verdades que tenemos que ver. Uh, so, in that allegory, it's literally a parable, and that parable is teaching a lesson. Uh, when, when you see the word parable, it means to throw light alongside of something, to bring uh, understanding to something. Cuando usamos la palabra parábola, es una historia que se usa para tirar luz al lado de algo para poder ver o entender un poco mejor. And so I want to just walk you through the uh, history of Israel from the last time that we studied and then explain this parable. Vamos a caminar un poco a través de la historia de Israel y luego vamos a explicar esta parábola. Last time we studied, last week, Gideon, with 300 men, destroyed the Midianite army. You remember that? La semana pasada hablamos de que con 300 hombres, Gedeón fue en contra del ejército de Midian y los destruyó. And he brought liberty, he brought freedom to the nation of Israel. Trajo libertad de este devastador llamado Midian. He brought freedom from a devastating enemy that was called Midian. And then the Bible says that the leaders of Israel came to him. Luego los líderes de, de Israel vinieron a él y lo quisieron ungir como rey. They tried to anoint him as king. And Gideon said, God will reign over us. Gedeón dijo, no me pueden ungir como rey. Jehová nos, uh, Jehová reinará sobre nosotros. And you will find that in chapter 8. Uh, usted va a hallar eso en el capítulo 8 de este pasaje. And so, uh, he, he refused to take what God was not offering. Él se rehusó a tomar lo que Dios no estaba ofreciendo. It, he understood that it wasn't God who was offering him the throne. Él entendió que no era Dios el que le estaba ofreciendo el trono. And you will know, if you, if you read Bible history, you know that Judges comes right before the book of Ruth and Ruth right before Samuel. And in Samuel, the people do it again, don't they? They say, we want a king. And they insist on getting it their way. God gives them Saul. Right? So Gideon actually is preventing what is about to take place a few hundred years later with Saul because he understood his place. Gedeon uh, entiende que Dios no le está ofreciendo el reino, que no lo ha llamado a ser rey. Y que el rey de Israel es Dios. Entonces, él dice, no, yo no puedo tomar esa posición y se rehúsa a hacerlo. And the land has peace for 40 years. Remember that? La tierra tuvo paz por 40 años. But then a, a man came up named Abimelech. Luego se levantó Abimelech. And Abimelech decided that he would make himself king. Abimelech se decidió hacerse rey. And he killed, uh, the Gideon had 70 children. Abimelech killed all of them except for one so that nobody would be able to threaten his claim to the throne. And he, he basically anointed himself. Entonces Abimelech se unge solo para ser rey sobre Israel. And Israel uh, also goes into the fifth cycle. Y Israel entra al, al quinto ciclo de apostasía. And the Bible says, Those familiar words, and Israel turned away from the Lord. Israel forgot the Lord. And what do we learn from history? Nothing. And so they go right back into this cycle. And in, and in the midst of this cycle, Jotham, the one son of Gideon that survived, he rises up with a prophetic spirit and he gives them this parable. And he says, this is what has happened in Israel. Israel, he said, um, the trees went out to anoint a king. Entonces llega un profeta, uno de los uh, hijos de Gedeón, llega y dice, mira, esta parábola va a describir lo que ha ocurrido en Israel. 
los árboles salieron a escoger un rey. Y los árboles fueron primero con el olivo. They went first to the olive tree. And the olive tree represents Gideon. El olivo representa a Gedeón. And they asked the olive tree, be our king, reign over us. Dijeron al, oli al olivo, ser nuestro rey, uh, uh, ser nuestro uh, gobernador. Y el olivo dijo, no puedo dejar el aceite que honra a Jehová y a los hombres para ir y ser rey sobre ustedes. The olive tree said, I cannot leave my fatness. It really means my oil. I cannot leave the oil and the, he said, I cannot leave my oil to go and serve over you. He said, I cannot leave the oil that honors God and men to go and rule over you. Now listen to what he's really saying here. The olive tree said, I cannot leave my anointing to go and do something that God didn't call me to do. El olivo en esencia está diciendo, yo no puedo dejar mi unción para ir y hacer algo que Dios no me llamó a hacer. Are you with me tonight? All right, so the trees, they were not satisfied with that, and they went to the fig tree. Now, these are all uh, symbolic trees for Israel. The olive tree, the fig tree, and the vine that we're going to see in just a minute, they all represent God's blessing toward the nation of Israel. And so they go to the fig tree, and the fig tree says, I cannot leave my sweetness to go and serve or, or rule over you. Van al árbol que es la, is it higuera? Higuera, okay. No voy a decir otra cosa. Una vez dije hígado, y no era, era otra cosa. Fueron a la higuera, y la higuera dijo, no puedo dejar mi fruto. Para ir a reinar sobre ustedes. The fig tree said, I can't leave my fruit to go and reign over you. So they went to the vine, the, the vine. Fueron entonces a la viña. And they said to the vine, you come reign over us. And the vine said, I cannot leave my new wine, which brings joy to God and man, to go and reign over you. Y la viña dijo, no puedo dejar mi vino nuevo, el cual trae gozo a Dios y a los hombres, para ir a reinar sobre ustedes. All three of those pictures represent people who understand their place of anointing. Cada uno de esos retratos nos enseña una persona que entiende su lugar de unción. You see, we've all been given an, an anointing. Cada uno de nosotros ha sido dado una unción. And your anointing is different from my anointing. Mi unción no es la de usted. Cada uno tiene su don. Cada uno tiene su, su parte. Everybody has their gift. Everyone has their role to play. Are you with me tonight? And so when, when at times uh, ambition comes along and says, I don't want to, I don't want to just do this. I want to do that. A veces llega la ambición y quiere sacarnos de hacer lo que Dios realmente nos dio para hacer. And this is, is going to lead us to a principle that I want to talk about tonight uh, and just uh, lay in your heart uh, several principles from this text. But this is the first principle. Write this down. Don't stop producing what you were made to produce. Este es el primer principio que vamos a ver esta noche. No pares de producir lo que Dios te creó para producir. Don't stop producing what God created you to produce. If you are an olive tree, keep producing oil. If you're a fig tree, keep bearing fruit. If you're a vine, Keep producing new wine. Si eres un olivo, sigue dando aceite. Si eres una, una higuera, sigue dando fruto. Si eres una viña, sigue dando vino nuevo. A veces por, aquel hace, por querer hacer mucho, no se hace nada. ¿Cuántos saben eso? How many of you know sometimes you try to do a whole lot, you get nothing done? There's an incredible power that comes with focus. Hay un poder tremendo que viene con el enfoque. 
when you and I discover what it is God created us to do, and we do that, we're going to find our sweet spot. Cuando usted y yo descubrimos lo que Dios nos llamó a hacer y lo hacemos, vamos a hallar el lugar uh, céntrico de nuestra vida, el lugar más productivo en nuestra vida. And I believe every one of us in here has a sweet spot. Cada uno de nosotros aquí tiene un, un centro productivo. How many of you have found it already? All right, some of you are shy about it. How many of you are still looking? No, you can't look forever, all right? Tenemos que descubrir qué es lo que Dios me llamó a mí para hacer. What did God call me to do? What did, he, what did he design me for? ¿Para qué me diseñó Dios a mí? Because if I'm not designed to do a thing I'm trying to do, I'm not going to get that thing done or the thing that I was created to get done. Si yo no hago lo que fui diseñado para hacer, voy a echar a perder lo que estoy queriendo hacer y, no voy, a, y voy a dejar sin hacer lo que se debe de hacer que yo fui creado para hacer. And so uh, the, the parable tells us that Gideon understood that. Gideon understood that God called him because he knew that when ambition came to tempt him, that he wouldn't reach out too far. He understood that God had called him to be a certain kind of man, to do a certain thing, and he stuck to that. And when he committed to that, God gave him the strength to lead Israel into peace for 40 years. Now, here's what I want to uh, tell you tonight. God has called this church to a specific thing. He's given us a specific vision. All right, and it's true for this church, and God is just like it's true for you. Dios ha llamado a esta iglesia a hacer una cosa específica, una cosa enfocada. Those of you who have been through Serve 101, you know what we're about, right? And others of you, maybe you have, you've read about it in our mission statement or our, our core values, you, you're learning about it. But God has called us to be a church that is discipling men and their families, right? Dios nos ha llamado a ser una iglesia que disipula a varones y su familia. And that has been our focus. Ese ha sido nuestro enfoque. When we know what we're about, we also know what we're not about. Cuando sabemos de lo que somos, ya sabemos de lo que no somos. All right? So the same is true for you. When you know what you're called to do, what you're gifted to do, what God has in empowered you to do, and you go and do that, it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to distract you and get you off your game because you know what God has called you to do. Cuando usted sabe lo que Dios lo ha llamado a hacer, usted ya no se va a distraer tanto por otras cosas porque ya sabe lo que Dios le llamó a usted a hacer. Now, I'm going to tell you some things. I know what God has called me to do. Yo sé lo que Dios me ha llamado a mí hacer. Y también sé a lo que no me ha llamado. I also know what he has not called me to do. All right? I played golf in, in, in high school, but he did not call me to be the next Tiger Woods. Okay? Uh, yo jugué golf en, 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 en la secundaria, pero eso no fue a donde yo fui llamado. I... I, uh, Mike, can carry a tune every once in a while, but I haven't been called to lead worship. Quizá me toque estar en tono cada vez en cuando, pero no he sido llamado a ser el líder de la adoración. Okay? I like, I like the outdoors, but I haven't been called to be a cattleman, right, like Brother Joe. I might invest in him, but I'm not going to be a cattleman. But when I stand right here, I'm in my sweet spot. Cuando yo estoy parado aquí, yo estoy en mi centro productivo. When I'm standing teaching the word of God, that's my thing. And so I know this is what I have been called to do. And it's going to be a lot harder to distract me when I know where I'm headed. The same is true for you. Lo mismo es para usted. Yo, cuando estoy parado aquí en el púlpito, estoy haciendo lo que Dios me llamó a hacer. 
lo que me diseñó para hacer y, y nada me va a distraer, distraer de eso. You can take away a lot of things and it won't hurt me. But if you take me out of the pulpit, I'm going to shrivel up and die. So don't do that. Si usted me quita el púlpito, me quita todo. Porque eso es a lo que yo fui amado a hacer. Are you following me? Do you know what your sweet spot is? If you don't know, you need to discover that. So how do I discover that, Pastor? Well, you, you discover it by trying things, serving in different areas. And if you serve in an area where you didn't do well, try another one. Until you find the place that you've been gifted by God to serve. When I was in college, I, I served in the homeless ministry. I, I was a director of our homeless ministry for, for two years. And we would go every week and serve the homeless. I had a roommate. He decided to come with us. Estando en la universidad, yo era el director de el ministerio para los, uh, los que viven sin hogar. Entonces, cada semana salíamos a ministrar a los que vivían en la calle. Y uno de, de los uh, que vivía conmigo en la universidad dijo, yo quiero ir con ustedes. Uh, my roommate said, I want to go with you on, uh, on your outreach this, this week. Well, my, my roommate was the uh, classic... Uh, affluent, uh, only uh, what is only child from a very uh, affluent background, and so he didn't know a whole lot about the homeless, and he could hardly he could he, he wasn't very comfortable around them. Uh, y este este joven que fue con nosotros, él era de una familia muy uh, muy uh, rica y, y él era un hijo único, así que no sabía nada de, de la calle, de, de personas de la calle. And so we're at the, at the shelter, estamos en, 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 la, en el comedor, and he couldn't find any spot that he could work. No, no, no se hallaba en ningún lugar. And I, I was trying to help him. I said, I said look, that, that uh, little lady over there, she's eating by herself. Why don't you go talk to her? Y dije, mira, esa señora ya está comiendo sola, ve a hablar con ella. He went and sat down, and she got up and went and moved to another seat. <laughs> y se sentó, él y ella se levantó y se fue a otro asiento. And so we got, we got back that day, and he's like, homeless ministry is not my thing. Y él decidió ese día, ese ministerio no era para él. The next week he went to uh, a nursing home with a different ministry. La siguiente semana se fue a un centro de um, para ancianos con otro ministerio. And he came back glowing. Y regresó tan alegre. He said, Isaac, I found my place. I said, what'd you do? He said, I just sat and talked to old people all, the, all evening long. And he just found that he could strike up a conversation. Because, see, he had, he had grown up. As an only child, his parents were a lot older, and so his his whole life was around that environment, and he fit right in and was able to minister. And the last time I checked on him, uh, he was uh, the senior care pastor in one of, the, uh, one of the churches in Dallas. He found his sweet spot. He found the place where he could serve. Now, um, some of you, if you went to the nursing home, you'd just be sitting there, right, and just wondering, like, what do we talk about next? But Heath found his spot. And you all have a place that no one else can fill. And when you find it, the oil flows. When you find it, you bear fruit. When you find it, there's new wine. There's joy that comes out of it. Cuando usted encuentra ese lugar donde usted fue creado para producir Va a tener unción, va a dar fruto y va a tener gozo. Va a tener uh, 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 vino nuevo para seguir dando y no se le va a acabar. Now, the Bible tells us that the trees went to one more. Los árboles fueron a uno más. They went to a bramble, which is basically a thorn bush, a little shrub. Fueron a un a una arbolito de, uh, que era un espino. Think about it now. They went to the olive, they went to the fig, and they went to the vine. 
No, none of them would leave their sweet spot. They went to the thorn bush, the little guy, the shrub. You know, a, shrub, a, a thorn bush doesn't give any fruit. Un espino no da fruto. Pero fueron con el espino y el espino dijo, si quieren que yo sea rey, seré rey. The bramble said, if you want me to be your king, I will be your king. And he said, come lie down in my shade. What does a thorn bush give shade to, right? ¿A qué va a dar sombra un, un espino? Y dijo el espino, vengan y, 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 y acuéstense en mi sombra. Y ese espino era Abimelech. That, that bramble, that shrub was Abimelech. Who had nothing to offer, yet wanted to rule. Este no tenía nada para ofrecer, pero quería ser el, el, el presidente, quería ser el rey. Entonces, hay un gran contraste, there's a great contrast there, isn't it, between that person who knows what God has called them to do and that person who thinks that they have something that they haven't received from the Lord. Hay esa persona que conoce su lugar y esa persona que solamente piensa que tiene algo para ofrecer. So that's our first principle tonight is don't leave that spot. Find that spot. Encuentra ese lugar y quédate ahí. Don't stop producing where God where, uh, what God made you to produce. No pares de producir lo que Dios te llamó para producir. Whatever it is in your life that God has called you to produce, you continue to do that. And the more you do it, it's going to bear fruit. You're going to find joy in it, and you're going to find the anointing of God on that. Is there anybody in here tonight? All right. Principle number two. Principio número dos. Listen now, if God isn't ruling your life, small things will. Número dos, si Dios no está gobernando tu vida, las cosas pequeñas la gobernarán. You get that? If God is not ruling your life, small things will. If you don't allow God to rule your life, shrubs will rule your life. Si usted no deja que Dios gobierne su vida, los, los espinos van a gobernar su vida. Gideon said, the Lord will rule over us. And Israel said, no, we don't want the Lord. We want somebody else to rule over us. And eventually, those little things became Lord over them. Esa cosa pequeña vino a gobernar sobre ellos. And I think if you just look at your life, you will see moments where the little things have been ruling your life. Yo creo que esta noche, si usted se pone a estudiar su vida, va a haber ocasiones donde las cosas pequeñas comenzaron a gobernar su vida. Let me tell you, there's no demon that's bigger than you. But if God's not ruling your life, a little demon will come around and say, well, if you want me to be king, I'll be king. And will rule that part of your life. And so you must give careful attention to those small things. Tenemos que dar atención a esas cosas pequeñas. The scripture says it's the little fox that spoils the vine. Dice la escritura que es la zorra pequeña que destruye la viña. Those little things that maybe we don't think anything of, but they're areas of our life where we have handed over control instead of handing it over to God. We've handed over to other people or we've handed over uh, to ourselves. Quizá hay áreas en nuestra vida donde nosotros hemos dado el control o el gobierno de esa área de nuestra vida a alguien más o a otra persona o quizá a nosotros mismos y nos ha llegado a dominar. Just think about it like this. If God's not ruling your life, then those little things that'll come in and they'll start choking out the work that God is doing in your life. You can have a little bit of jealousy, right? And it will start ruling your life. 
Puede tener un poco de celo y ese celo, si lo deja, puede gobernar hasta destruir tu vida. It can destroy a marriage, can't it? How much of it do you need? Just a little. Con un poco de celo se destruye un matrimonio. You can have a little bit of a little bit of greed, a little bit of bitterness. It can be a small thing, quizá un poco de uh, avaricia o un poco de amargura, algo pequeño. Pero si Dios no está gobernando tu vida, Dios uh, o esa esa cosa pequeña va a comenzar a gobernar tu vida. That small thing will begin to govern your life and control of your life. So you need to make sure that it's God who's reigning in every area of your life. I'm going to give you an example. I shared this with you last year, but I want to share it with you again. Uh, because it's a personal testimony, but it's something I know all of us have dealt with before. Yo le voy a compartir algo que les dije el año pasado. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times in preaching. Uh, but it, there's something called an inner vow. Hay algo que llamamos un, una, how do you say vow in, uh, not a vow, a vow, like an oath. Un juramento, vamos a decir, un juramento interior. Okay, Jesus said, he said, do not swear by anything, either by heaven or by the earth, or by your name. You know, don't swear by anything. You remember that? You say that? Jesús dijo, no jures sobre el cielo ni sobre la tierra, sobre ninguna cosa. He said, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Que tu sí sea sí, tu no no. And what, it, what we find there is that when uh, vows are made, Sometimes, and, and this was uh, uh, a particular case in the times of Jesus, se hacía un juramento, una promesa, o una promesa, que voy a hacer esto, no voy a hacer esto. Entonces, se usaba a Dios por medio. Por Dios yo juro esto. I swear this by God, or I swear this and so on. Okay, this is, this is what happens sometimes. We make a vow to ourselves. A veces hacemos una, un juramento a nosotros mismos. Somebody might hurt you and you say, no one will ever hurt me like that again. Quizá alguien lo lastimó y usted dice, nadie me va a lastimar a mí así otra vez. Well, you just made an inner vow. You just promised yourself that nothing like this is ever going to happen to me again. Okay. Usted se prometió Ya nada me va a pasar a mí como esto. No lo voy a dejar pasar otra vez en mi vida. Usted se está haciendo un juramento solo. Now, what are you really doing? You're saying, God, you're not in control of this anymore. I am. I'm not going to let this ever happen to me again. Usted cuando hace eso, le está diciendo a Dios, Dios, usted ya no va, ya no va a tener parte en esto. Yo no voy a dejar que esto pase en mi vida Otra vez. Are you following me? Well, guess what? When you make an inner vow, you literally take the lordship of Christ out of that situation and you put yourself as Lord. I'm in control of this now. Cuando usted hace eso, usted se pone usted mismo en control y, y quita el señorío de Dios sobre esa área de su vida. So I'll give you an example. All right, what happened to me? Has this happened to me? It, it happened to me s- several uh, years in, in, in a row. Esto pasó en mi vida varios años. Where every time I got a, a, a car, there was always a chronic problem with the car. Cada vez que yo tenía un carro nuevo, tenía un problema ese carro. Crónico. It wasn't enough to make the car not run, but it was always a chronic problem. Siempre un problema crónico. Finally, I got the commander that I have now. Uh, uh, compré el, el, uh, el Jeep que tengo ahora. Y at three months into having it, it started having a chronic problem. 
Tres meses desde que lo compré comenzó a tener un problema. And that time I was like, all right, that's enough. Esta vez yo decidí que ya era mucho. I said, Lord, this is a pattern. And, and, and because I'm a student of the Bible, I see patterns. I study patterns. I said, Lord, this is a pattern. And if it's a pattern, that means it can be broken. This cycle has to be broken. Señor, este es un patrón que hay en mi vida que cada vez que yo tengo un carro tiene un problema crónico. He said, do you remember? Now that's when I knew I was in trouble, right? When he said, do you remember? Dijo, ¿recuerdas el día que tú dijiste que nunca ibas a depender de nadie para tener un carro? He said, you remember you said, I will never depend on anybody else for a car. Yes. He said, well, that day you made yourself Lord of your cars. Dijo, ese día, tú te hiciste señor de tus carros. Oops. Now, it happened to me with a car. Some of you, it's your heart or your mind, your emotions. Maybe your house, your car. I don't know what it is. But I said, Lord, I want this broken. I, I want you to be Lord of my car. You know, I prayed and That, that chronic issue went away like that, hasn't come back like that. And I haven't had a problem since. I didn't go to a mechanic. I went to the Lord. But you know what? No mechanic, because I had gone before, no mechanic could find the problem. Now, you, you can leave her and say, Pastor's a little crazy this, this afternoon. But here's what I'm telling you. When you make yourself Lord You, you're the small thing. And that small thing is going to end up ruining your life. So when you say, you'll never hurt me like that again. No one will never hurt me like that again. What you're saying is, I'm, I'm better at protecting my heart than God. And maybe God wanted me to depend on somebody else for a car. Maybe God wanted me to depend on him. But you see, an inner vow takes the control out of God's hands and puts it in our hands or in that small thing, and that small thing will begin to run your life. Si usted no tiene cuidado, esa cosa pequeña comienza a gobernar tu vida. Y eso solo se quiebra cuando usted viene a Dios y dice, Señor, usted va a ser Señor de esto en mi vida. You're going to be Lord of this. In my life. Let me, let me give you the worst case scenario here. Déjame darte el caso peor. Because this, this might happen where you're trying to protect yourself against a past hurt. Somebody, somebody uh, hurt you in the past. You say, they'll never hurt me like that again. And, and what God wants you to know is that even if somebody hurt you like that again, that he is able to heal you again. That he is able to restore you again. Are you listening? You see, the enemy comes along and says, if you don't protect yourself, nobody will. El enemigo viene y dice, no, si tú no te proteges, nadie te va a proteger. Pero usted tiene que entender, es Dios el que me va a proteger. Y si, y si alguien me lastima de esa forma otra vez, Dios es capaz de sanarme otra vez. De restaurarme otra vez. Él es el todo para mi vida. So that's principle number two. If God isn't ruling your life, something of the small things will rule your life. Number three. And we're, we're going to go down to chapter 10 now. Vamos a ir a capítulo 10 ahora. All right. I know I just gave you a whole, a whole lot to chew on, so just take it slow. All right. Don't swallow all at once. But if you're struggling with an inner vow tonight, you may not remember it. I heard about an inner vow uh, a man made. His, his uh, family never had any meat. They were so poor, they never had any meat. He vowed they would always eat meat. 
in his home. And generally what happens is, is when, you, when you make an inner vow, you overreact to things. Another man, that his mom never let him have soda. So when he was old enough to have his own place, he had a soda machine in the living room. Taking it a little too far, right? But he, he that, that's the tendency to go to the extreme. And I believe God wants to heal any person who walks into that tonight. All right. Now we get to number three, or chapter uh, chapter 10 here. Llegamos al capítulo 10. We see that God raised up two judges. Vemos que Dios levanta a dos jueces. The first one's name is Tola. El primero se llama, uh, no, no sé cómo, cómo se llama ahí en español, hermano. Tola? Tola. And the next one's name was Jair, which is Jair. Now these two judges, it would appear did nothing remarkable. Okay. Uh, the, whole, the whole story of their lives is written in... Three verses, five verses. Eso, esos dos jueces parece que no hicieron nada admirable. En cinco versos describe todo lo que ellos fueron. But here's what I want you to notice. That they gave peace to Israel for 50 years. Ellos trajeron paz a Israel por 50 años. Now, here's, here's where I want us to see tonight. Uh, Tola served for 23 years. Jair served 22 years. They did nothing but bring peace. Usually when we look for a hero, we're looking for somebody that does this extraordinary thing. Normalmente cuando buscamos un héroe, Buscamos a alguien que hace algo extraordinario. But I want to tell you that consistent people are heroes too. Las personas que son consistentes también son héroes. And the fact is, church, that most of us will never be a hero in the sense of a Gideon who takes on uh, 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 an innumerable army. We may never get one big flash of victory, but it's in the small things that we make great gains. And tonight I want you to see that in these two judges, this fifth apostasy was brought to an end by two judges that did little things consistently. They did the, the important things consistently. Estos dos jueces trajeron libertad a Israel porque hicieron las cosas pequeñas de una manera consistente. Uh, the name Tola represent, uh, really is the word uh, worm. El, el, la palabra uh, Tola es la palabra gusano. His name means worm. So don't name your children Tola, all right? No, no le des el nombre a sus hijos. But there's a very significant meaning here. Psalm 21, when it refers to uh, when it refers to Jesus being on the cross, it says the Messiah uh, would think to himself, "I am a worm and not a man." And there was a particular kind of worm in Israel that, in order to give birth, it had to die. And it would cleave itself to a, a tree, and and it would give birth to its offspring, and it would leave a scarlet stain on that tree. And when the Messiah is on the cross, he literally becomes that, that worm. He becomes that curse, that scarlet stain through which life was given to the world. So Tola's name is actually a reference to, to the Messiah. 
It's actually referring to the cross. And I want you to see this. He brought peace to Israel because he brought the blood to Israel. He brought them a reminder of the Messiah. He brought them a reminder of the coming uh, Savior. And friends, you and I may not ever do anything great, extraordinary in terms of heroism, but that needs to be our constant message. The cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, the saving grace of Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ. Are you with me tonight? It may not seem like a whole lot, but one Sunday school teacher faithfully teaching the word of God, one Bible study teacher faithfully teaching the word of God, one preacher faithfully teaching the word of God can make a greater difference. El, el nombre de este hombre representa al gusano que cuando daba vida tenía que de, deja, uh, moría y dejaba una, una marca escarlate sobre el árbol donde moría y eso representaba a Jesús, el que vendría a morir sobre un árbol. Entonces el nombre de este juez era un símbolo de la cruz y su, su ministerio fue simple pero siempre apuntaba a Jesús. His ministry was simple, but it pointed to Christ. Uh, one of the greatest stories uh, on, along this line, una de las mejores historias de esto, is uh, a little deacon who had to take over for the pastor in London. Un diácono que tuvo que predicar un domingo uh, porque se vino una, una nevada muy fuerte. It was a strong snowstorm. And he got up to preach, and all he could say was, Look and live! That was his text. Look and live. And in walked a young man who was a, uh, a scholar and he was a, a, uh, a, a college student and he was looking for salvation. He wanted a church that could tell him how to be saved. And that day he was trying to get in out of the storm and he sat in the back row and guess who's preaching, right? The deacon with the broken accent and all he can say is, look and live. Just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness and, and everyone who would look at the serpent would live. And, and finally, uh, he, he, uh, well, he, had, he had preached his text in about two minutes. Ya había predicado su mensaje en dos minutos, el pobre diácono. And he looked at the, at the young man in the back and he, he, he broke all of the first-time visitor rules, right? He said, you young man, you look very miserable this morning. He said, he said, you need a savior. All you have to do is look to Jesus and you will live. And Charles Spurgeon was convicted in that, in that moment. And the prince of preachers was born again. Because a simple man had a simple message. Look to Jesus and you will live. Tola's ministry was simple, but it was the blood, the crimson flow. El ministerio de Tola era simple, pero como ese diácono que decía, mira a Jesús y vivirás, ese joven fue convertido, su ministerio fue simple, pero su mensaje era la sangre, era eh, la redención, y ese debe ser nuestro mensaje. And then uh, we see Jair and and and. Both of these men had the same kind of ministry, simple, but this brings us to principle number three. El principio número tres, write this down. Small gains over the long term add to more than great gains in the short run. Small gains in the long term add to more than great gains in the short run. Logros pequeños sobre largo tiempo valen más que logros grandes cada en cuando. These two judges teach us. Think about it. All they did, look at the irony of the statement, all they did was bring peace for 50 years. That's all they did. I think that's a pretty good legacy. Todo lo que hicieron fue traer paz por 50 años. 
me parece a mí que ese es un buen legado. You know, the problem with our generation is that we want 15 minutes of fame. We want the heroic act. We applaud for the for the the stunt. But the the life of faith counts most in small daily consistent acts of obedience to God. Remember the day I tore the phone book in church? You remember that? Some of you don't remember you weren't here, but You missed it because I did a Dominic. I tore a phone book in church, didn't I? I remember Dominic, el hermano Dominic tomaba el libro y así nomás lo rompía. He would just tear it like that. I said, Dominic, I can't do that. But I can do this. One page at a time. I started tearing that book in half. Una página tras otra comencé a romper ese libro. You realize that most of us aren't going to be Dominic. God wants us to get life and just go one day at a time and pull and do those things faithfully. It's Even if it's one day at a time, one page at a time, you're going to gain more than you're going to be able to gain trying to do it all at once. Si usted aprende a hacer las cosas con fidelidad cada día. Listen. A few minutes of prayer every day is worth more than an hour of prayer once a month. Consistency, faithfulness. Little steps, just like that tortoise. You might get outrun by a bunny. But you hang in there, one step at a time. Los pasos pequeños llegan a mucho. Los llevan a mucho. Uh, the Bible says, Psalm chapter 1, which I quoted to you over and over in the last year, God's word to us, I will bless what you do. He said, whatsoever he does will prosper. Dios dijo, todo lo que él hace prosperará. Dios dice que él prosperará lo que hagamos. Pasos pequeños, pero que llegan a un logro grande. These men brought 50 years of peace, not in great acts of heroism, but in simple acts of consistent faithfulness to God. Estos hombres trajeron 50 años de paz. ¿Por qué? Porque se determinaron a ser fiel cada día. Cada día. Sometimes people... People will wonder, man, why won't pastor use me? I have all these great gifts. I have all this I can offer. I tell them, you're never here. A veces vienen personas con muchos dones, dice, pastor, ¿por qué usted no me usa? Yo tengo todos esos dones, canto, predico, hago lo que usted quiera. Y le digo, porque nunca estás aquí. Are you hearing me? It's those who are faithful, consistent, walking that daily walk of faith. That's who I want to put in front of you as an example. Ese es el que yo quiero poner delante de ustedes como un ejemplo. Una persona que es fidedigna, que tiene esa fidelidad en las cosas pequeñas. There's an Olympic team, the British Olympic team, They, they won the Olympics, and their strategy for winning was to improve the small things. Hay una, un caso de un estudio que se, des, uh, se hizo de un una equipo de la Olimpiada que ellos ganaron eh, la medalla de oro porque aprendieron a corregir las cosas pequeñas. You know, they, they got down to little things like how to wash their hands so that they wouldn't get sick. They learned to travel with their own pillow so they could get rest in whatever hotel they were in. Very minute little things. But when they got out on the track, 
All those little things added up to a great advantage. And if there's anything that you and I need to learn from Tola and Jair, it's this. We may not be a Gideon. We may not be a, uh, um, a Samson. We may not be a Jephthah. But we can be faithful where we are. We can be a producer where we are. Quizás no seamos como Gedeón o uno de esos jueces que pudo hacer algo muy grande, pero podemos ser fiel donde estamos y mantener fidelidad en esas cosas, maintain faithfulness in this. And I want to close with this as Brother Josh will come. Listen, listen to what the Bible says about Jair. Uh, he is one of my favorite characters in the Bible for a reason I want to explain here. Look at uh, Judges 10.3. Vea capítulo 10, verso 3. Jair the Gileadite arose and judged Israel 22 years. And he had how many sons? 30 sons. Okay, he was a fruitful man. I don't know how many wives he had, but let's assume. <laughs> Maybe he had one wife. I doubt it, I doubt it. Tenía 30 hijos. They rode on 30 donkeys. And they had 30 cities in the, in the land of Gilead that they were called, that was called Hivoth Jair to this day. Let me unpack this for you real quick. In, in ancient times, kings rode on donkeys. Remember, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The, the donkey was the majestic animal. En los, en los días antiguos, el, el asno era el símbolo de realeza. Jesús entró a Jerusalén sobre un asno. It is also a symbol of peace. The, war, uh, the, the horse was a symbol of war, but the donkey was a symbol of peace. El asno era un símbolo de paz. El caballo era un símbolo de guerra. Jair, when he died, he left 30 sons. Now listen. The Bible says each of, their, each of his sons rode on a donkey. It meant they were men of royal character. They were not just prosperous because that was one of the indications of having a donkey meant that you were prosperous. Somebody said a donkey was like a convertible because if you raise the ears, it, it, it could. could I, I don't know if that's why, but that's somebody said. But when, when people saw Jair's sons, they saw men of character, men of worth. And the Bible says that each of them ruled over a city. Now listen, the, the indication here is that the cities, when they began to rule, were villages. But when they were done ruling, they were cities. What's the difference? A village had no wall, no defense. And a city without a wall had no influence. But by the time these 30 men had run their course, they had built those little villages, those little insignificant villages into cities. Defend, they had a wall around them. They were defended. They had watchtowers. And they were cities of influence. Look at what one man was able to do. He didn't fight any great battles. He didn't, he didn't do any heroic acts. But he left 30 sons who were men who served their time, their generation. They were men who took the little things and made them bigger and made them better and magnified them. And listen, Kingsway Church, God has raised us to be that kind of church. To raise up spiritual sons and daughters. Not just any old kind. 
Are you following me? But the kind that have royalty in their blood. The kind that have character and integrity that stand for God, that stand for something. And the kind that wherever they go in the world, they're going to bring value to the places and the people that they are sent to, and they're going to build up the kingdom of God wherever they go. Are you listening, Kingsway Church? God has called us to be consistent in the little things, faithful in the little things, and to leave a legacy. I don't know anybody in here who wouldn't want to have that kind of legacy the way Jair had. To say, I was able to leave behind influence for the kingdom of God. And I want to lay this burden on your heart tonight. Quiero dejar esta carga sobre tu vida. Estos 30 jóvenes eran hombres de integridad, de carácter, de realeza. Cuando ellos entraban a una ciudad, ellos beneficiaban esa ciudad, bendecían esa ciudad. Y ese es el legado que Dios quiere para esta iglesia. Que levantemos hijos y hijas espirituales que van a ser de bendición a las naciones. Your sons and daughters. Our spiritual sons and daughters are going to bless the cities of this world. And so what we have to decide is I'm going to make sure I'm faithful and I'm consistent in the little things. So that they have a foundation from which to grow and plant and build and do all that God has called them to do. And here's the thing. You have to decide what your legacy is going to be. Not when you're on your deathbed, but right now, the life you're living. Usted tiene que decidir el legado que usted va a dejar, no cuando esté muriendo, pero ahorita usted está decidiendo el legado que usted va a dejar. You know what people are going to remember about us? is the things we did consistently. El legado nuestro va a ser las cosas que hicimos con, con fidelidad. These men didn't do anything very great by the standards of the world or by the standards of the book of Judges, but they did some extraordinary things because they added not only to their own generation, but to the generation that came after them. Estos hombres no solamente añadieron a su generación, pero también añadieron a la generación que los siguió. And I want to lay that burden on your heart tonight. What legacy are you leaving to your children? What legacy are you leaving to your community? I believe the greatest, uh, the greatest legacy you and I can leave to the city of Beeville is a strong, powerful church that's building into the future lives of men and women who are going to go forth from this place and touch the nations of the world. So I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to do what we do every time. All right, I want you to put your little vision cap on. Vamos a poner nuestra visión. What do you see in 50 years? ¿Qué ve usted en 50 años? I hope that you've started to take this question a little more seriously now. ¿Qué ve usted en 50 años? What do you see? You say, Pastor, I plan to be in heaven. Lord willing, we'll all be in heaven. But if Jesus doesn't come, what are you going to leave behind? Do you see your, your children living a faith life? Guess what? That starts today. Do you see your family living in financial abundance? That starts today. 
Do you see yourself being able to leave an inheritance to your children's children? That starts today, friend. Whatever you want to see in 10, 20, 30 years, today, right now, is the seed of that thing. Este momento ahorita es la semilla que usted va a cosechar en 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 años. Come on, some of you are staring at me. I'm not your vision. You need to get your eyes on where you're going tonight. What has God designed you for? What has God called you to? Set your mind to do that thing that God has designed you for. Come on, stir up your faith tonight. Stir up your faith tonight. ¿Qué es lo que usted ve para su futuro? Para el futuro de sus hijos. Para el futuro de su iglesia. Lo que usted va a tener en 20 años, hoy es la semilla que usted va a tener. Father, tonight I pray that you would lay upon every one of our hearts a burden to live for something greater than ourselves. To live for something that will outlive our lifetime, that will outlive our own ability, that will outlive our own strength. God, you have called this church to raise up sons and daughters who will touch the nations of the world. We take seriously the call and the commission that you have placed upon this house. We commit ourselves to that purpose. And Father, we pray as well for the individual vision and purpose you have given to every member of this church. Every single person here can have, has an anointing and can bear fruit and can produce new wine. Every single person in this place has some way that they can build up the kingdom of God. I pray for the removal of every form of blindness, every kind of discouragement. Right now I come against those things that would distract us from the purpose and the plan of God in our lives. And I pray that you would cause us to have the faith to get stirred up and to take action to pursue those things which you have called us to do.